Father, I want to thank you for calling us into a unique relationship with you. Um, and I pray that you open our hearts today to look how we can go deeper in that relationship with you. Um, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 2013 was the year. She was sitting across the table from me, the most spectacular thing I had ever seen. Crystal blue eyes, adorable freckles, the cutest nose, and hair that looked like summer. How could something be that beautiful? Andrew, you stop double-taking. It's a little creepy. When did that happen? When did, when did I become a creep? When did that happen? Whatever was stirring in my heart had never happened in my life before. Girls had made my hormones run circles before in the past, but this was something special and different. She somehow made me see everything good in the world. I remember there was this one day she was walking by while talking on the phone, and she laughed to whoever was on the other side of the line, and I couldn't help but burst a delightfully huge smile because that was the first time I had ever heard a laugh that sounded like music to my ears. That was new. With every sighting of her, I felt closer to God. She pulled me to him. I was falling in love with someone I literally had never met. <laughs> with someone who was so ridiculously beautiful, but, I had no but yet I had no desire to look at or think about her intimately. It was the purest, unconditional love I had ever known. Everything she did, I saw God in it. That's what made her beauty captivating, God. There was only one problem. She had a boyfriend. If there was any way I was going to end up with this woman, only God could make it happen. So I decided to chase God, uh, become more like him for this girl, pursue his image in the fullest. And I searched deep and wide to grow in his character. And somewhere along the way, my priorities shifted and I fell in love with God. This girl, however, still stayed in my heart for over a year. Eventually, I began to question God why he chose this girl to bring me to him. Sure, I was now all in with him, but I was still all in with her too. And my heart was hurting because it had to keep all of this love bottled inside. Why was it possible to love someone I had only ever said the word mm-hmm too. That's not even a word. <laughs> That's mumbling. <laughs> yeah, I had just opened the door for her in the cafeteria, and she said, thank you. And I was like, mm-hmm. And uh, that's all I could muster out. I wish I had time to tell you the whole story, but I can tell you the guy did not get the girl. She ended up marrying someone else, and I deeply respect her and am grateful to her because she is my testimony. And when I had finally left, let her go after one and a half years, I fell in love with my wife. 2018, I had just finished the book Love Does by Bob Goff. Then, having a video call with one of my best friends, I told him it inspired me to go out and ask out a professional soccer player named Morgan, ask her out on a date. I was pretty sure she was single. Uh, the message I got from the book was, why not try it? Why not take a long shot? Since he was graduating with his doctorate in physical therapy, 
we wanted to have one last hurrah before he started the cycle of working uh, every week, uh, almost every week of every year for the rest of his life. Um, so we got our tickets. I made a sign, and we began a 750-mile drive so I could ask a girl out on a date. Being quite bashful, when we got there, I covered up my sign on the way in. As we got to the entrance, a security guard asked to see my sign because apparently you can write um, stuff that may not be fit for TV or something like that on the sign. And oh boy, I thought, they are trying to keep me from the love of my life. The guard took a look, gave me a weird look, and unamusedly told me to walk in. Half the journey was almost over. I mean, the security guard already saw it. How much more nerve-wracking could it get? I got this, okay? Sideline tickets, halfway into the game, without, ever, without yet seeing her, I was waiting for her to be put in. But it was now or never. The, the cameraman was doing another round the field, and he was approaching. He was probably the only way she would see my sign. I pulled out my, so when he was approaching near, I pulled out my sign as if it was uh, a sword in a, a sheath, just hiding it, and nervously waved for, waved for his attention. I, he briefly read the sign and said, oh yeah, we gotta get you, we gotta get that. Hold on, buddy. My man was about to come through for me, and he did. Um, but the story ends with Morgan giggling with her friends across the field, peeping at me. She didn't get the flower or the letter I had for her, and she was apparently not impressed by the pun. Um, <laughs> I guess beforehand she had chosen to be with some other bum, and like, really, you're going to choose an NBA player over a broke college student? The audacity. 2019. My friends and I are set up at a beach, playing spike ball, uh, enjoying the sun, there's this quite attractive woman next to us. Praise God we chose this spot. Praise God. She has a tiny dog named Gatsby, and I love dogs. So I use the dog as an excuse to introduce myself. We have some conversation. We really connect over a little bit over an hour, and she's brought to tears through some of the conversation that we share. Before we go our separate ways, she tells me she was really glad to meet me as if she was waiting for me to ask for her number. Months later, I'm regretting not asking for her number, and there's no trace on social media. My only leads are my five-month-old memory of what she looked like, her first name, that she was sort of Adventist, she worked out at Chipotle while in school, and she was from Chicago, a city of 2.7 million people. <laughs> One Sabbath morning, I decided to venture out to seek the needle in the haystack. I went to Chicago, visited about four churches asking around with a story and a description of what she looked like, but nothing. I went to a Chipotle while going through line. Uh, I know she didn't work on Saturdays, but I asked if by chance there was a blonde girl with green eyes named Alexi that worked there. First employee, nothing. Second, nothing. But the third, still no. But it was someone actually in the back of the kitchen that had known this person, and it was just like kind of eavesdropping from the back. Um, and they said that she worked at another Chipotle across town. Could I seriously have found her in a city of 2.7 million people? 
I went to the other location and asked for a manager while still dressed in Sabbath attire. However, instead of asking him for a job, which he probably expected, I told him the story and handed him a napkin that read, Warren, Dude, Warren Dunes, we met in the summer, Gatsby and I were homies, and I should have asked for your number. Date some time? I left my phone number and signed off. There are so many variables in that experience which should have made that venture fail. But later that evening, I received a phone call from her and we set up a date. I searched for her because of how God loves us. He cares in the midst of millions to search for our hearts and pursue us because he wants a unique relationship with us. In the midst of billions, he can find us. I wish I could tell you the full story of this girl, but I can tell you it ends with me knowing that it would not work out by the end of the night. 2020. You know, there was a time in my life where I didn't care if I lived or died. I was not trying to die or wanting to, but I was just sort of open to it, just honestly open to it. And I told you I fell in love with my wife back in 2013, and that is true. What I took away from my testimony is that I was always supposed to be in love with someone, even if I hadn't met her yet, namely my future wife. Truth is, I had been loving and searching for her ever since. I would love her, I would actively love her by growing my very ability to love her uh, when the time came. Cooking abilities, done. Massage classes, down. Songs written for her, way ahead. Praying for her daily, yes. I also frequently wrote her letters, grateful for the days of love that were to come and for the memories that we would share. Why? Because God inspired me to embody his love for someone who would eventually do the same for me. All these were ways that neither time nor space could separate me from loving her. But after years of loyally waiting for someone where I could show the love of God, uh, see the love of God in everything they did, I stopped believing it could be done. I stopped believing humanity really wanted to embody the love of God at all. I started to ask myself, what is the point of embodying love if you're only ever going to do it alone? It was a dark time with a dark perspective. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, let, let's see how much more downhill it can go. Uh, I, I went through the motions, graduated, and then did some summer chaplaincy in Kettering, Ohio. A few weeks before leaving Ohio, I was wallowing in uh, self-pity to my parents uh, and to one of my best friends, Timmy, who's actually here today from Kettering. And my dad sarcastically joked, that like, man, you can't get a woman. You should get a dog. And I was like, okay. Um, but then the next day, when I had deeply thought about it and imagined what getting a dog would be like, it brought me to tears. Because the light went off. Whoever said you cannot buy love was incredibly misinformed because you can buy love for the low price of dog and 43 cents. If someone wasn't going to be in my life to love, then I'd pour my love out to something. A few weeks later, I held Maddie in my arms for the first time. I finally had a partner with whom to share love in the world. We could go to nursing homes together. 
We could stop and let kids play with her. We could go out on walks. Uh, um, we could uh, dance in the kitchen. We could dance to music, uh, cuddle, you know. But as I was closing my seminary experience with graduation from Andrews University, uh, the pandemic left conferences on a hiring freeze. If I was hired, I never would have gotten a dog because I wouldn't have the time to raise it. So my only option was to go home to a town where I swore I would never go back to because of the past heartbreaks that lay there and raise a dog. While at home, I just eventually decided to download a dating app. I was finally ready to give up my dream of finding someone who could show me the love of God. If we weren't at each other's throats, yelling all the time, I suppose it could be good enough. Besides, uh, what girl doesn't want a single guy who doesn't have a job and lives at home with his parents? I went on several dates, and the third woman I went on, the date, on a date with would turn out to be who's now my fiancé. A couple years after I had stopped praying, years after I had stopped believing, she, it was as if she just walked off the pages of my letters and into my life. Down to the goofiness, the singing, dancing in the kitchen, beauty, mannerisms, attitude, even ticklishness. It, yeah, it was amazing. Ten months after meeting, I was down on one knee at a beach on North Shore, Oahu, washing her feet, telling her I wanted to serve her for the rest of my life, and asked her to marry. It's pretty impossible to say how many things had to fall apart in order for God to piece something beautiful together in our lives. If there was no pandemic, she would, not have, she would have been in Europe at the time when I got back to Oregon. We never would have met. Additionally, perhaps without the pandemic, one or both of us would not have downloaded an app. If I had gotten a job, we never would have met. If heartbreaks and pinpoints in life did not happen, we would not be who we were, and we would not have met. Even when I stopped fighting for my story, God did. Even when the world was unraveling into toilet paper hoarding chaos, God was still winding up his pitch. Even in an isolating pandemic, God called and poured out some good. To be honest, I'm a pretty analytical person, and I would like to say logical, but calculating the probabilities, I do not see Abby and I finding each other as anything less than a full-fledged miracle. So why am I telling you all these stories? Well, my deep relationship with God started with a romance. And it continues to be a growing relationship revolving around how much of God's love I can reveal to uh, my wife and to other people. There are more stories, and I'm leaving out a lot of precious details, uh, but this is the core of where my spirituality lies, in romance. You know, before I came here to Colorado, my life's mission was to write a book. It still is, technically. That book required me to translate every Hebrew and Greek verse in the Bible that had the word spirit in it, or the roots of the word in it. That's 812 usages, 738 verses, and approximately 3.2% of the entire Bible. 
So today I'm going to tell you the definition of spirituality because apparently not even Google can give you a good one. Uh, this is what they give you. And I'm sure you can probably not read this, but the quality of being concerned, spirituality is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. To me, that's about as helpful as telling me that woodworking has to do with wood. Um, it's quite unhelpful. Um, but the definition I found in all my translating is that spirituality is management of harmony within yourself and management of harmonization with the world around you. Now, that may sound a little hippy-dippy, uh, so let's unpack what that means. The Bible is a document which guides our philosophy of life. It mentions every area of human existence, diet, exercise, mental health, education, finances, work, family, friends, intimate relationships, exposure to nature, spending time outdoors, sleep, leisure activities and hobbies, relationship with animals, and relationship with God, etc. All these things make up spirituality. That is a lot of variables. And every variable about you affects the other variables. How these variables harmonize together is what defines your spirituality. You know, I brought a, a, a little uh, analogy for us to explore. Uh, here I have my Go Broncos, excuse me, a football. And spirituality is a living, moving thing. Um, it's not stationary, it's not set in place. And I wish I had a, like a, a very efficient top. But spirituality is like a motion. And it, it spins and it keeps going. And eventually, um, if something comes along and touches it, pushes it out of the way, it disrupts the motion. But if something comes along and supplements the movement, it will be healthy. So if you have, our conventional definition of spirituality is like reading the Bible or prayer, but all of those things are tied all the way down to diet and sleep. If we don't get the sleep that we need, we're not going to wake up well-rested with a, a sound mind to pray the way we would want to. Um, if we don't eat, well, I mean, that's not really good for staying alive, but you, you can understand that all of these pieces play together and they all contribute to spirituality. If it wasn't spiritual, it would not be in the Bible. You are more complex than you think. Everything down to the writing in your DNA, there is no one like you. And not because of a motivational Pinterest post or a Facebook uh, post, but because there are so many variables. A Dr. Ali Benazir estimates that the chances of you being born are 1 in 400 trillion. It's also estimated that no more than 107 billion humans have ever, ever existed. The question I want to ask you today is how do you relate to the one true light of the world? Because the truth is, you are more complex than you think.
All the variables I've mentioned and more today compose your spirituality, and you are different from absolutely everyone else. Every branch of spirituality is individualized, and so is its sum. What your body needs through diet will vary a bit from other people's. What you need to hear or be taught depends on where your heart is at. What kind of love you need will depend on how your love languages are geared. What kind of exercise you can do depends on where your physical ability is at. Your ability to understand the spirit will vary on how tuned you are to it. But no matter how complex and different you may be from others, I can promise you God can connect with a wide array of relationships because the one true light of the world is more complex than you think. God is often compared to being light in the Bible. In biblical times, the only two sources of light were either the sun, natural light, or fire. But while white light may look uniform, it actually contains the entire color spectrum within it. You see, God may be the light of the world, but there is much more to him than just one or two things. He is the lion of Judah and the lamb. He is the king of kings and a suffering servant. He is the beginning and the end. He is a potter, a shepherd, a groom. God is vastly more complex than you think. Now, I really need you all to tune in here. Um, do not make the mistake of believing in a one-size-fits-all spirituality. Prayer, devotions, church-going, reading the Bible, they should all be included in all spiritualities. But I think we've become accustomed to feeling guilty or possibly making others feel guilty by looking down on them when they don't fulfill a specific model of spirituality in a specific way. Let me be blunt with you, friends. If your spirituality looks like someone else's, if it looks like a template, then it's not yours. If you base your relationship with God entirely off of a blueprint, you will not have a relationship, you will have an imitation. You will have a chore and a fruitless to-do list. If your spirituality does not currently make you feel alive, it's probably because it's a program. Daniel prayed three times a day. Maybe that is not for you, and that's okay. Samson's supernatural strength was built on a covenant with God where he had to keep his L'Oreal status long hair and fabulous, hair long and fabulous, and you probably don't have a relationship like that. Um, but if you know how to get in connection with that covenant, let some of us know because some of us are losing hair and we need some more. If David, he had a knack for battle and fighting seemingly insurmountable enemies, Maybe your spirituality thrives off of putting yourself in dangerous situations uh, to spread the gospel. Solomon had 700 wives. That one's for no one. If, is there a general rule of how spirituality should look? Like, yeah, I think so, very much so. But you are more complex than you think. My spiritual identity is over here on the right. Uh, red with romance. It's centered there. 
That's where my heart is, and it helps me to relate and see to God and see him clearer. And my spirituality, it, it irradiates outward from there. Maybe you center in the purple um, with making people laugh or writing music uh, in the yellow or exercising in the green, uh, painting, environmentalism, raising kids, um, providing for people, cooking. Wherever your center is, be there and work from there. You know, as a church, we are blessed to have something called grow groups. It's an opportunity to be alive. It's an opportunity to live out spirituality in more than the conventional ways. Prayer, scriptural study, church going, those are only a small portion of spirituality. Spirituality is true, holistic, harmonious living. You know, as we read in our scripture reading today, uh, Revelation 3.20, Jesus is knocking at the doors of our hearts, wants to come in, have a relationship, and be included in our lives. How many of you have the same front door as your neighbor or anyone else in this church? Can you think that you have the same front door as them? How about your living room? Do you have all the same couches, same lighting fixtures, uh, decorations? Are they all the same? The home that we have in our hearts should be unique, and that's okay. Don't let your spirituality become a routine. Whatever the center of your spirituality is, it is beautiful. Thrive in that beauty. If you don't know where your center is, you need to find it, because no model provided for you will satisfy you completely. Because we don't need a blueprint. We need a relationship. And that relationship needs to come from the heart. So today I want to reject not live, the guilt of not living in a conventional model of spirituality. Because the reality is, as the musicians come up, the reality is that this is not a Star Wars movie, friends. God does not want a clone army. He wants a relationship with your innermost being. My call to action for you today is to embrace the center of your heart and build your relationship with God around your own vows, the vows which pull you closer to God and may be outside a glorified, glorified blueprint. You'll find when your spirituality is centered according to your heart, a relationship with God stops being a to-do list. It brings you to life, and you'll realize it is less complex than you think. We will sing as our closing the theme song we've been using each week. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Thank you.
Father, I ask that you inspire us to keep on furnishing the home that is in our heart for you. Thank you for the variety of homes and hearts that you can walk into and have a relationship with um, and offer deeply satisfying joy. Continue to be with us today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.